3. And um, we'll look at the last passage, last verse in chapter 3, which is verse 19, and then the first two in chapter 4. Praise God. Hebrews 3 and verse 19. Look at me for a minute. We, um, I had a meeting with some folks today uh, at a place called Southern Organics in Shelby County. It's down, I think I was below Calera, I'm not sure. And um, it's a high-tech aquaponics farm, and it's fascinating. And um, they use um, rock wool, which is wool spun from rocks, I've heard of rock wool insulation. I had no idea it was spun from rocks. I just thought that was the name of it. I don't, anyway. But of the whole operation, they, they grow tilapia, and the tilapia water, waste in the water, is what feeds the plants. It's a fascinating operation. But the one room that I was, I guess, the most impressed with was the incubation room. And it's computer climate. While we were in there, it was like, you know, the guy said, well, that's the humidity got a little warm. Probably several of us walking in there, you know. Humidity got a little high in here, so it's equalizing that out. There were all different colors of lights in there because it's, it's here's the point, okay? How necessary it is to have the right envir environment for something to, to nurture and, and to grow for a seed um, to be planted and grow. And of course, they're trying to produce crops every 14 days year round, and they're doing that, okay? Um, and it just made me think about, you know, our own lives and what Father's doing in our lives and all the different things that are involved in creating the right kind of environment for us to grow. It's not random, folks. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not just throw some seed on the ground and hope something comes up. And, and tonight, it's not let me throw a few verses at you and see if something sticks. That's, it's very strategic. It's very specific. Um, but, you know, in their case, they're planting a physical seed that could potentially have a flaw. For you and me, it's the Word of God. There is no flaw in the Word. It's incorruptible seed. Which means if the conditions are right in our hearts and lives, His Word will produce a result in us every single time. Every single time. Amen. All right. Hebrews 3 and 19. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering His rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. I've said it a couple times. I'll say it again tonight. Um, Holy Spirit spoke to me a few weeks back, and He said that people complain about life being hard. They say life is hard, but... It's not that life is hard, it's that life outside of faith is hard. When we are 
living our lives in a way that we were never meant to live them, in a way that God never intended for us to live them, then it's going to make life much harder than God ever intended or meant for it to be. And so we were created by God to live by faith. Those who are living the way God created them to live, the just, the ones who have it right, are the ones who are living by faith. We walk by faith, the Bible says, and, and not by sight. And this is something that we see both stated in the Old Testament, we see it repeated in the New Testament, and um, again, is just a universal expression of the way God created, hardwired, and intended for us to live. What we see combined in these three verses is that rest and faith go hand in hand. Rest and faith go hand in hand. We see that for the them, the them being the ones that God brought out of slavery in Egypt, that, that they could not enter into the rest that God had for them because of unbelief. In other words, because they did not mix faith with the words that God spoke to them, they came short, they fell short and missed out on what they could have otherwise been enjoying and experiencing in life. And so the caution here then is not to them. They've lived their lives. They've had their shot at it, okay? Um, the word of, is now to us, amen, us being you and me. And he says that for us, you know, we can't make the same mistake. That unbelief costs them rest, and it will cost us our rest, and our rest is a rest of a different kind. It's a better rest. Theirs was a physical rest. Ours is a, is, is a spiritual rest that creates um, you know, rest in every area of our lives. Now, if you're new to this series or this study, you, you, know, you may be thinking, well, rest? I'm, I'm really not tired. I mean, I want to get some sleep tonight, but you know, what's the big deal about rest? Well, it's not what you think. In all of these situations that he lists here in Hebrews, the fourth chapter, rest is talking about you and me enjoying the fruits of someone else's labor, enjoying the benefit of what somebody else worked really hard and put in place for us. And the rest that's available to us is, is all of the benefits that Jesus paid such a high price, worked so hard, suffered so horribly, um, endured so much to make available now for you and for me. What cost him blood, sweat, and tears, right, we can now access not through blood, sweat, and tears, but through faith, through faith, okay? So when it says the gospel was preached to them as well as to us, not the same gospel. In other words, the good news that was given to them is not the same good news that was given to you and me. But the good news that, that we've been given, right, is one that we now have to mix faith with. That's the key, right? We have to mix faith with it if the word that's been preached to us is going to profit us. The word didn't profit them because they didn't mix faith, and the word will not, will not profit you and me if we don't mix faith with our gospel, with the good news that's been proclaimed to us. Amen? Now, this word profit, again, is talking about increase in your life, advancement, something that would be useful, something that would be useful have you ever, and I'm, I'm sure that men and women can both uh, connect with this in their own way, but, you know, have you ever been trying to fix something and, and you didn't have the tool that you needed? You know, I mean, you needed a half-inch wrench and you, and you had a quarter and, and, a, 
and a three-eighths and a five-sixteenths, but not a half. You, 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 you know what I'm saying? You, it's like, man, if I just had something a little bit thinner that I could stick in that hole and push that pin out of there, you know. In other words, so you start scrambling around trying to find something that's what useful, something that you can use to get you past some kind of obstacle or situation or issue in your life. The Word of God is useful like that. In other words, the Word of God is a lot of things to us, and one of the things that it is to us is that it's, it's, it's a tool that we can use um, to uh, make a difference, see breakthrough in, in literally every area um, and facet of our lives and existence. So we see that the Word of God has within it the power to produce increase. It has the power to, to advance you. When you get stuck, you, you know, you need promotion, what have you. Um, it's, it's useful. Um, and it'll also provide an advantage to you in life. When the Apostle Paul was explaining to the Jews and to the Gentiles that although the Jews were God's chosen people and that he used them for you know, a beautiful, wonderful assignment, that now that Jesus has come, it's time for us to all be born of the same seed and become members of the same body. And the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans said that the Scriptures conclude both the Jew and the Gentile, the non-Jew, all guilty before God and, and basically all in the same boat. You ever use that expression, we're all in the same boat? Okay. And so then the question was asked, so what advantage then does the Jew have over the non-Jew? If we're all in the same boat and we all have to have the same Savior, what good then is your Jewish heritage? And he said, it is an advantage for you in every way because as a Jewish person, you had the oracles of God, the wisdom of God, the Word of God made available to you um, from a very young and early age where other people, non-Jewish people, did not have that advantage. So again, any area of your life that you can learn from the Word of God, what God has to say about that area, it's going to give you... a a leg up. It's going to give you an advantage, put you in an advantageous position over those in the world who don't have the Word of God. But again, we have to mix faith with it when we receive it. Well, that same Word will, will make everything better, brings improvement, and it'll also cause or facilitate growth in our lives, facilitate, cause growth in our lives. Now, if we skip on down to verse 11, Hebrews 4.11, it says, let us, again, there's the us talking to you and me, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. So we explained this last week, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on this, but you know, first he said it was unbelief, now he says disobedience, and it's like, well, which one was it, Pastor Mark? And the answer is yes, it's both. Because unbelief manifests itself in disobedience. We said it this way, the part of this word that you really believe, the part of this Bible that you really believe is the part that you obey or the part that you practice, the part that you do. You can talk all day about believing in tithing or believing in this or believing in healing or believing in this, but if you never pray for healing, if you never give a tithe, if you, you, you're just deceiving yourself you know, by lip service but not you know, something from the heart. I, I mean, I'm not picking on you, I'm just trying to show you how these things work. 
And so the, the deal behind disobedience is it's unbelief manifested. It's, it's just, you know, we could say it the same way that obedience, when you obey God's word, it's because you believe that what he's telling you is the best thing, is the right way, is what you need to do. You believe it and therefore that is acted upon and obeyed. Unbelief leads to disobedience. Belief leads to obedience. Okay. So we see then that there's an element of obedience that's necessary to faith. But remember, faith or belief is how we enter rest. Are you seeing how these things all are tied together? Okay, I'm just going to keep going and you go with me. Is everybody good? All right, okay. So if you look at that word translated here in verse 11, diligence, we see that it's a unique word and it's translated different ways. Um, I love the word diligence but I don't like it the way it's, def it's defined here. The King James Version literally, I think, nails it when it says, let us labor, therefore, to enter that rest. Let us labor. Let us labor. So he's saying that there is some work that you and me, that we are going to have to do, you and I are going to have to do, if, if we're going to enter in to our rest, the rest, the fruits of all the heavy lifting that Jesus did, all the work that he did to make these things available to us. So the King James Version uses the word labor instead of diligence. The English Standard Version uses the word strive. Let us strive to enter the, that rest. God's Word translation says, let us make every effort. Make every effort. Come on now, I know I got the right bunch tonight. You, under, you understand every effort? I have to ask myself, man, am I, am I making every effort? Yeah. You know, I mean, let us, let's make every effort. Um, it's important. It's important. Um, we were talking about it on Sunday night. Isaiah 54, 2, the word of the Lord is to, you know, expand the tent and lengthen the cords and drive the stakes deeper. He's literally saying, make room for increase before the increase comes. And what I've learned in my life is that any room I give the Lord in my life, He fills that, that place in my life. And any room in my life, any area of my life that He fills is instantly better. But it really does come down to, are we going to make room for Him? And one of the ways, amen, please hear me. I, I know this isn't maybe the most popular message, but we're not here for what's popular. We're here for what pleases the Lord, right? And, and so one of, the, one of the practical, central, simple ways that we can do this is to make more room for Him in our time, to, to, to give Him more time, right? So one of the key ways to, to enlarge the tent, lengthen the cords, drive the stakes deeper is to adjust your schedule, is to adjust your schedule. I have a TV in my home, I watch TV, okay? Um, now if you judge me for that, or if you don't watch TV, good for you, but no, don't judge me, whatever, you know? But here of late, you know, it's like the Lord's been speaking to me, he's like, well, you know, son, does it, are you really gonna watch one more family pick out another house on Home and Garden TV? I mean, you know, in other words, it's, I don't know why I like watching people buy a house, but it just, I don't know, it, you know? 
And it, there's, nothing, there's nothing immoral or wrong or anything about that. But, you know, that's one area in my life where I can make some more room. Are you, are you following what I'm saying here? And so when we're, we're talking about making every effort to enter that place of rest, you know, as much as Paul had developed in these things, as much as he had grown in these things, even in the latter years of his life, he was still trying to find a way to make more effort and give more of himself to lay in hold of what Jesus had put in reach for him. The Amplified Version, like it always does, it really takes this verse over the top. Let us therefore be zealous and exert ourselves and strive diligently to enter that rest of God to know and experience it for ourselves that no one may fail or perish by the same kind of unbelief and disobedience into which those in the wilderness fail. So just taking key words from each of these translations, he's saying, let us labor, strive, be diligent, make every effort, be zealous, and exert ourselves to enter into our rest. Now, this almost sounds like it's in contradiction. You know, it's like work to rest. I mean, if I've got to work to rest, then I'll just stay where I am, you know. What's the old saying? Sometimes you've got to spend money to make money, right? And um, certainly, you know, in business that, that uh, you know, Pam and I had for a lot of years, you, you'd have to spend a lot of money, you know, putting cabinets in houses and things of that nature. So, you know, obviously he is speaking of an investment here, you know, something that we have to do, but I believe it's a deliberate play on of words that he did it earlier in the chapter when he said, let us fear lest we come short of entering the rest. Well, man, you won't, you won't ever hear God say anything about fear. But the idea, of course, is the opposite of rest. The opposite of rest is anxiety. You know, somebody, someone who's anxious, stressed out, worried, troubled, they're not at rest. So again, it's a play on of words. In other words, you're in fear because you're not in rest. You need to fear because you're not in rest, not fear because what might happen if this happens. If that. We worry about all these things, and he's basically saying not to be afraid. God's not advising fear. He's saying, instead of being concerned about all these other things, you need to concern yourself with what you need to do to enter into rest instead of laying awake and being worried all night. Are you, are you, are you understand what I'm saying here? So here he's saying, you know, it's not like um, if I've got to work to rest, I'll just keep it as it is, you know. Why am I going to dig the hole any deeper? That's, that's not what he means. He's, he's talking about an, 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 an effort um, that we have to put forth, but compared to the effort that's already been put forth, it's really no effort at all, but it is necessary, or we could even say it is a requirement. Can I give you one verse that I think will unlock all this, at least the, you know, the, the play on of words, and it's, and it's found in John the sixth chapter, John chapter six, and, um, and it's verse number 29, John 6 and 29. And the passage says this, Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God 
that you believe in Him whom He, God, sent. This is the work of God that you believe in Him whom He sent. So, we enter into rest by faith. We enter into rest through belief because unbelief is what prevented them and the disobedience that it led to is what prevented them from entering into the benefit of all that God worked so hard to produce in their lives by getting them out of Egypt. For you and me, our rest is all that's available now for us to enter into because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, in the grave, in the belly of the earth, and then by going and pouring his blood out on the altar. In heaven, seated, ascending to the throne there. Jesus did all of that for us, as us, as our substitute. And, and all of that work made rest available to us. So our work, if you will, is to believe. Our work is to believe. Now, you know, that may sound almost like some kind of riddle or mystery or something. It, it, it shouldn't. Let me try to explain to you what's going on in John, the sixth chapter. We talked about it, as a matter of fact, in class a little bit, but there was a big crowd of people that were hungry. Jesus took a little boy's lunch, blessed it, gave it to his disciples, and they fed um, thousands of people. Had a great day, great time. And um, I believe that that was more food than... Obviously, it was more food than any of those folks had ever seen at one time in their lives. But I believe it was more than a lot of them had ever eaten. Food was very scarce in those days, and what you had to do to get it was a lot, a lot of effort. And so for there to be that much abundance, and, and so it just so imprinted them, it so impressed these people that the next morning they came to find Jesus for breakfast. It's just that simple, and it's like... Man, somebody get a few eggs and some bacon and a, and a couple of biscuits and we're fixing to have a breakfast buffet now. Except for Jesus had already moved across the lake, if you will. And so they jumped in boats hungry and rowed, I think it was like 14 miles, 17 miles in a boat to find Jesus just to get him to feed them again. And Jesus said to them, he says, you've not come all this way um, to learn from me and to be my disciple, you've come so that I'll feed you again. He said, you need to desire the bread that comes from heaven, right? You, you need to go after what I'm really here to do for you and the things that I really am here. Just giving you a meal was meant to turn your heart towards me so that I can really work in your life. And so their answer was, well, if you're not going to do it for us, teach us how to do the works of God and we won't have to bother you anymore. You see their attitude there, right? In other words, what they're trying to do is figure out how to have God's best but leave God out of their lives. They're trying to figure out how to enter into rest but not to obey God or listen to Him or do anything He has to say in the form of Jesus. And so when they, say, they said to Him, teach us how to do it and we'll do it ourselves, Jesus said, this is the work of God. This is the work you need to be focused on. If you want to learn how to do something, you need to learn how to believe. You need to learn how to believe on Him whom God has sent. You need to, and so for you and me, believing on Him whom God has sent is believing what Jesus did for us and what He made available to us and entering into that through belief and obedience to Him. Are you seeing this? All right. Amen. So our work, our labor... 
is to believe. Is to believe. So with that said, let us labor to believe. Let us strive to believe. Let us be diligent to believe. Let us make every effort to believe. Let us be zealous to believe. And let us exert ourselves to believe. All right? So what does that look like? What does that look like? Vanessa was uh, sharing something with me before class tonight that Brother Copeland had talked about. And, and he was talking about how you know, this glass, for those of you listening by audio, I'm holding my glass of water up, and it's about an inch or so from the top. Well, if we were to start dripping water in this, it would drip and drip and drip and drip and drip and drip and drip. And it would eventually get to the top until one drop caused it to overflow. Okay? So... When we hear the Word of God, it awakens, it arouses, it intensifies, it strengthens our faith. So, but there is effort required in hearing the Word of God. It doesn't come, the Bible doesn't say faith by having heard, it says faith by hearing. So hearing is a present tense thing, okay? One of the things that I have really, really, really been trying to do this year, and it's, and it's really made a difference in my life, is to spend more time listening to the Word of God. When I'm, when I'm driving, when I'm riding my bike, when, when um, you know, I have the, the effort, I mean, the opportunity to do that, to make every effort, right? Um, I, mean, I love praise and worship music. I listen to a lot of praise and worship music. But um, as important as praise and worship is, it's not the same as listening to the Word of God. And so the question then becomes, Am I making every effort to hear the Word of God? How can I hear the Word of God more? See, that's labor. That's exerting myself. That's, that's, are you, are you following what I'm saying? But that's part of what my responsibility is. I mean, He gave me the faith, and it's up to me to strengthen it. It's up to me to use it. The law of use will help develop my faith, help strengthen my faith, help me go from being weak in faith to strong in faith. Are you, are you following what I'm saying here? So if faith's how I enter into rest, I know that this may be so super basic that it, it just, but hear me out. I believe that a little bit of faith allows you to enter into a little bit of rest. Right? But as our faith grows, as we become stronger in faith, we're able to enter into more and more rest, or should we say more and more of the benefits that are available to us because of what Jesus did for us, right? That we actually enjoy and, and experience those things in our life reality. So when we're talking about mixing faith with what we've heard, we're, we're obviously talking about a response, the action, faith without works is dead, but a lot of times, and, and don't, I'm not trying to talk out of both sides of my mouth, just hear me. A lot of times, the, the first work that we need to put in is the work of study and the work of hearing and the work of hiding. The Bible says that we hide God's Word in our hearts so that we might not sin against Him. Okay? So, now again, faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, 
It's not just that hearing the Word of God and is going to tell you what God doesn't want you to do, and so therefore you will know and you won't sin. That's not what he's talking about. Obviously, that is the, the, the most base-level understanding of that. If you don't know it's wrong, you've never heard it's wrong. But when he says, hide his word in your heart so that you may not sin against him, he's not saying, find out what I don't like and stay away from that. He's saying that when you hide that word in your heart, it makes you stronger spiritually. It makes you stronger, a stronger man or woman in faith. Faith by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Jesus wanted his disciples to pray the night they were coming to arrest him, not pray for him. He said, you need to pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Jesus knew all Hades was about to break loose on them. And they needed to be strong and be prepared for it, but instead they, what, they slept. They did not make every effort to pray. They did not make every effort to do what they could to make themselves strong in faith so that when the pressure and the trouble came, they wouldn't fold like a cheap lawn chair, but they would be strong. Are you, are you seeing what I'm... Listen, I hope that you don't consider it a chore, but it required some effort to get here at a quarter to five endure sound doctrine for almost two hours, come in here, worship, and now, you know, what are we, 35 minutes into a, into a sermon. That required some effort on your part. Now you're like, well, Pastor, I'm, I enjoy it, I love the Word, I love what God's speaking to me, and I'll say, okay, I got all that, but it's still effort. There's a whole lot of folks that didn't want to put the effort in. Are, are you seeing what I'm saying? So make every effort. That's going to ultimately lead us to taking action. But keep your powder dry until you've heard the Word of God and you've got faith awakened and, 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 and growing inside of you. Are, you. are you following what I'm saying here? Um, so the labor, our work is to believe. And Faith in you is awakened by hearing the Word of God. The more you hear the Word of God, let's say tonight that you have some, uh, some area in your life where you need to receive healing, okay? Well, we got a list here at the, at the church. We can make that available to you. What is it, 100, is it like 101, 101 verses in the Bible that speak on the subject of physical healing. Amen. So, there you go. Let's get that verse. Let's, let's start reading it out loud to ourselves. Let's start confessing it. Right? But it's not just the volume or the quantity of hearing. One of the things that we've been talking about on Sunday morning and Sunday night and even on Wednesday night is when you take a passage and you begin to wrap your mind around it, you begin... To, to focus and meditate on that passage and, and, and mutter it to yourself and the Holy Spirit comes alongside you and He begins to elaborate and expound upon that passage. He begins to speak to you in your life concerning that passage, right? Again, that requires time and effort. I mean, it's not digging a ditch. It's not bailing hay. It's not hanging five by eight fire rated sheetrock on a ceiling. That's some of the hardest work I've done right there, right? But it's work. 
It's effort. It's striving. I'll finish right here, okay? There was a gentleman in the Old Testament, and uh, I'm trying to remember all the players' names, but um, I get Elijah and Elisha, and it's like First and Second Corinthians, and I get those guys confused who did what sometimes. But anyway, um, this prominent man, wealthy man, um, his name was Naaman. He had leprosy. And um, very sophisticated, wealthy, well-to-do, but again, this horrible disease. And they told him, they said, there's a, there's a prophet who can take care of that for you if you'll go see him. So he loaded up all kinds of gifts and, you know, had a servant come with him and was going to give the man the gifts and all that stuff. Well, he knocked, knocked on the prophet's door. The prophet sends his... Uh, you know, helper to the door. And he basically tells him, he says, you just go dip seven times in the Jordan River. Well, the man became offended. You know, he was expecting this great welcome and to be recognized for his wealth and greatness and to, you know, receive all these gifts. The, guy didn't, the prophet didn't even want his money or his gifts or anything. So he gets offended. He's like, if I'm going to dip in some foul river here, I'll go, I got clean rivers where I'm from. I'll go dip in those rivers, you know. Mad. Well, he's going off in a huff and a puff. And listen to this now. I'm telling this whole story for this, right? His servant finally gets the guts to say, um, excuse me, could I maybe just say one little thing here? He said, if he had asked you something hard to do, you would have done it. Right? If he had asked, see, because it was something easy, he thought he's got a hard problem. He needs a hard answer. He needs some answer that requires blood, sweat, and tears. See, when it comes for you and me, Jesus has already shed the blood, sweat, and tears. So I think sometimes because he's, our labor is easy in the sense that, you know, we need to get our face in the, in the Word of God and not take it out. You know, we need to start committing some Bible verses to memory. We need to start confessing some things over our lives and family. You know, we need to rise up in faith. But see, again, we think, well, man, the problems I got in my life, Pastor Mark, that kind of business, I, I need some real solutions. And Jesus already made the real solutions available. It's called rest. It's called the benefits and fruits of what He's done for you, right? How do you enter into it? By faith. You labor to enter. And so, amen. So, so he went and dipped himself in the Jordan River and um, the Lord healed him. And then the servant got jealous and thought he'd go get some of that bounty. And anyway, part of it was a happy end and part of it was like so many stories in the Bible, right? It doesn't hide the, the failures or the victories. It's all there for us. So, Amen. So, again, if he asks us to do something hard, there's folks in here, you know, it's like, man, Pastor Mark, just tell me what I need to do. Just tell me what I need to do. Your work is to believe. No, tell me something else to do, right? Tell me how much it costs, and I'll go get the money. Tell me this, tell me that. See, we, we're, we're accustomed to 
you know, striving, working in, in that arena, the arena of the flesh, it's not how you enter into rest. You enter into rest by faith, faith the Spirit. It's a function of the Spirit, right? And it's a different form of labor. And I think sometimes we think, well, because, you know, it's not requiring all this heavy back-breaking work that somehow it's not going to make a difference, and that's where you're wrong, right? Our work is to believe, amen? All right, stand with me tonight. Praise God. You get anything out of this? So it doesn't have to be, you know, some situation physically. Something in your finances, something in your family, something in your marriage, some area in your life. Find out what God had to say about it. Any area in your life that you want to win in, find out what God had to say about it. Feed your faith by hearing that truth, that word. And, um, and, and it's amazing how things in your life will begin to change. Amen. Father, thank you for life and peace tonight. Thank you for the men and women in this room. Thank you, Father, for the effort that's represented, Lord, not just to be here tonight, but to be engaged, not just to be in the service, Lord, but to come to class before service, Lord. Thank you, Father, for helping us to see and see clearly the things that you've made available to us and how to enter into those things through faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And amen. I love you. Thank you for being here tonight. Y'all have a great rest of your day.